from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. A lonely sheep no more. Fiona has arrived. She's doing absolutely phenomenal. How a group of farmers came to her rescue. It's a big report day. That is basically the last piece in the puzzle. What we'll be watching out of the latest supply demand report. And could U.S. Ag be turning a new leaf with China? China did make the biggest buy in three months, uh, also adding to the support. The latest on the rumors and a couple of big buys right now on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the name on the cap matches the power of one's purpose. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Soybeans continuing to make gains midweek with the possibility of a big China buy. Reuters reporting the country made its largest single-day U.S. soybean buy in three months earlier this week. Now, it says trade sources told them that Beijing importers purchased around 10 cargoes of soybeans. That equals about 600,000 metric tons or more than 22 million bushels of soybeans. Now, it's reported those shipments would move out of the Gulf Coast and Pacific Northwest between December and March. It could be a positive development when it comes to sales of soybeans overseas, which are behind the normal pace. And part of that big buy from China may have just been announced by USDA, the agency announcing four flash sales, including a 433,000 metric ton buy of soybeans to China. There's 270,000 metric tons of corn to Mexico, along with 132,000 tons of beans to unknown destinations, and more than 344,000 metric tons of soybeans to unknown destinations received in the reporting period. China did make the biggest buy in three months, uh, also adding to the support. We had an 84 cent rally since October 31st is low and really a new recent high uh, back to prices from mid-September. So could these sales also be a sign of relations improving with China? Barron's reporting the country is ready to hold talks with the U.S. at, quote, all levels. That announcement coming from Beijing's vice president at the Bloomberg New Economy Forum in Singapore. Vice President Han Zheng saying recent high-level meetings between the two countries were sending positive signals that relations were improving. Now, president Biden is heading for San Francisco next Tuesday for the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Economic Leaders Week. He is scheduled to meet with Chinese President Xi Jinping. The two leaders last met in person at the G20 summit in Bali almost a year ago. One ag product that doesn't seem to be making it overseas right now, U.S. wheat, with exports appearing to reach a 20-year low. Bloomberg says it's due to several factors, including the shrinking Mississippi River and competition from plentiful global grain supplies. Now, as we've been reporting, drought has significantly reduced the water levels on the Mississippi River. It's a key route for shipping about two-thirds of U.S. grain exports to the Gulf. And while water levels have slightly improved from a record low last month, global crop buyers have already turned to alternative sources for their grain needs, and that cuts into demand for U.S. wheat. Now, last week, export inspections of American wheat totaled only 71,608 metric tons. Meanwhile, we're rounding out fiscal year 2023 for ag with a record trade gap. Government officials say ag exports reached over $178 billion, while imports soared to a record $195 billion, leaving a trade gap 
of $16.6 billion. Now, despite that deficit, it was a better outcome than initially anticipated by USDA, which had predicted exports of $177.5 billion and imports of $196.5 billion. Happening later today, we'll get a better look at the trade picture and harvest yields as USDA releases its monthly supply and demand report. For all of the fall crops, this will provide us with one more update on yields and acres harvested along with production. And forecasters say it should pretty much be the final word on U.S. production estimates. We're looking at the you know production and markets around the world. So we're um, truing up our production forecasts for all of our other global suppliers. And then this NAS information that we get the morning of lockup, that is basically the last piece in the puzzle. Those results will come out today at noon Eastern time. Look for numbers to post online as soon as possible on Ag Day social media and on agweb.com. More rain relief could be on the way for the Mississippi River. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht joins us with more. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's not exactly a tropical system, but we are using some tropical moisture from the Gulf of Mexico to kind of bring some relief to the Mississippi River with dry spots showing up in across Texas and Louisiana. Finally getting some rain in here. We could obviously use some more. Now back up to the north, a system that we've been following all week long is going to bring some showers as well as some snow, obviously in higher elevations, but that's going to track more to the north with that energy rather than to the south. As we get into next week, as you see uh, coming up with that jet stream, you know, we got a ridge of high pressure building across the United States. So there's basically uh, two areas where we can get rain or some significant rainfall. That's going to be uh, underneath the ridge, back down here where we're going to see it in the Gulf of Mexico, and then back above the ridge into Canada and also on the uh, northwest uh, coast as well as on the uh, northeast coast where we got that rain coming back down, also some snow. There's a look at the precipitation forecast. Yields in the Fields on Ag Day is brought to you by Micro Essentials, the super granule that packs balanced nutrition into a single granule for uniform nutrient distribution, increased nutrient uptake, and season-long sulfur availability. Beating commodity fertilizers every time. Supercharge your yields with the Mighty Micro from Mosaic. And we're continuing to check those yields in the fields. Uh, Keith uh, in Ontario continuing on with corn harvest right now, also showing off a terrific sunset. He says his yields are running above average right now at 200 plus bushel to the acre. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. Concerns about citrus greening are on the rise in California. The USDA and California Department of Food and Agriculture now expanding the areas in California under quarantine for the Asian citrus psyllid. This follows the recent discovery of the insect that transmits citrus greening there in California. The USDA says the quarantine area now includes Fresno, Kern, San Luis Obispo, and Tulare counties. And 18 other California counties are also being added to the list by the department's Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service in order to apply safeguarding measures to track regulated items from possibly coming from those quarantine areas in an effort to prevent the spread of the disease. In election news on Tuesday, voters in Texas overwhelmingly approved a right to farm law called Proposition 1. It was just one of 14 constitutional amendments on the ballot for voters in Texas, 
Proposition 1 establishes a right to farming, ranching, and other ag activities on owned or leased personal property. Now, it passed Tuesday by a vote of 79 to 21 percent in favor of protecting those rights. The measure, while protecting farming and ranching, doesn't prevent lawmakers from passing future regulations that do protect public health and safety. Now, officials say Proposition 1 is needed in order to update protections for agricultural producers. Drought and lower production has thieves targeting olive trees in the Mediterranean. In that region's largest olive growing countries, prices for olives and olive oil is putting a target on the trees. Recent drought and hot weather taking a toll on production and that sent prices soaring. Thieves are now targeting the trees, even cutting down some that have been in production for a century or more. In Italy, growers are pleading for help from police, while in Greece, farmers are asking to bring back a special rural police division. In Spain, a company developing a tracking device that looks like an olive to try and catch the perpetrators. Milk prices are down significantly this year. We'll dig into the outlook for the months ahead coming up next in Markets Now. And later, the incredible rescue of the world's loneliest sheep, a story you won't want to miss today in the country. Oil prices continue to trend lower in midweek following a significant sell-off on Tuesday. Oil prices falling 4% Tuesday, hitting their lowest point in three months. Brent crude settling around $80, while U.S. crude dropped to near $75 per barrel on Wednesday. The decline, driven by an increase in oil supplies and new data indicating demand from China, is softening. U.S. crude oil prices are down more than 15% in less than three weeks. The AAA says nationally, gasoline and diesel prices are at an average of roughly $3.40 a gallon. That's 40 cents less than a year ago for gas and almost a dollar lower for diesel. Over the past year, Class 3 milk prices have fallen $3 per hundredweight. Ag Day's Michelle Rook discusses that and the outlook for milk prices in today's Markets Now. Welcome to Markets Now, Brian Doherty, Total Farm Marketing, joining us. And Brian, let's talk about the milk markets, which had a nice rally up until about October 19th and then have fallen precipitously. What's going on? Yeah, that was really concerning to me because we were at a time of year where milk got cheap enough, cheese got cheap enough, products got cheap enough. We had good strength in all the products, in particular butter. And then all of a sudden it hit a wall and quickly fell down. And it had looked like, like that, that jump in price came from uh, there was a day where I was talking to a dairy producer and I said, I just cannot understand why the why the, the buyer isn't buying product hand over fist right now. It's on sale. And sure enough, the market took off. So I felt somewhat vindicated with that mindset that it was a value proposition. And and yet we rallied up and then the market quickly again eroded back down and fell apart. And that's the third time now we've kind of spiked this market up and it falls apart. So it tells me that that perhaps the bigger players in the marketplace uh, view that the dairy herd just isn't cutting back small enough uh, to, to warrant economic conditions that, that are, are questionable. And so we quickly see where the buyers seem to pull back from the market and they're kind of learning they can, they can pull back and they can wait. Um, that's not to say the market doesn't have potential, but if we thought that we're going to get a, you know, a good strong rally into the $19-$20 mark into December or early January, I'm getting very concerned that that's, that's out of sight right now and that we'd absolutely need to see some kind of production cuts and with bigger facilities um, and heavy, heavily capitalized, I am concerned that that with insurance products and, and hedging that farmers probably did, 
uh, here earlier in the year that we just haven't cut the herd back enough. So as a result, what is your price projection? Do you think we're going to go much lower than where we are into the end of the year? Now, it's tough to be a bear in this environment. I, I think milk is a, is a good value. Cheese is a good value. Butter's pulled back. Maybe that's going to be a more important value. It kind of got over, uh, you know, over itself. I got ahead of its skis, I say, on, on it really kind of pushed up there. But it's of good value. And so you always have to remember when you have a market that's of value, and even if you have money that's investing on the short side of the market, at some point that money has to ask itself, what is the risk of staying short versus the, the potential that the market turn around? Thanks for joining us, Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing, and we'll have more update coming up. To discuss marketing strategies, call 800-334-9779. Ag Day is sponsored by Germinator Steel Closing Wheels. Perfected in conventional, excels in no-till. Order your Germinator Closing Wheels today. Yeah, I want to start off looking at that temperature forecast. So we're starting to see uh, that next... Uh, call it a major system, not necessarily in the rain or the cold air aspect, but major system in the overall pattern setting up across the United States. So temperatures this afternoon, see more of the 80s, uh, New Orleans at 82, 83 in Jacksonville. You come back up here to the north and to the northwest. It is going to be colder this afternoon, but as we go through the next couple of days, we'll start to see that warmth build from the west and work to the east. So by tomorrow afternoon, see more of the 60s and the 50s, kind of that early hint of some of that warmth building in across the plains that's going to expand back to the north and to the northeast. Remember that that jet stream is really going to tell the story on where our temperatures go from here. But let me let you look at the entire map. Doesn't matter where you look on this, you're either normal or above normal temperatures between November 13th and November 17th. That is a very high confidence signal. Uh, what we've been talking about the last couple of days, in fact, last week, we were starting to kind of communicate or talk about that ridge of high pressure building in, similar to what we had in the summer with the extreme heat. Now that uh, we're a little bit cooler, and of course the climate, starting to cool a little bit as we get uh, closer to winter. It's not going to be as hot, but that warmth, that above average warmth is going to take over a good portion of the United States. So Saturday and Sunday, and that's that ridge starting to take shape and back off here to the west. And then as we go into Sunday and Monday, not really seeing much in the way of any major low pressure systems developing. We are going to get one towards the northeast that if it could pick up some moisture, it's going to be a little bit windy and cooler back up into upstate New York, into Maine and off to the north and to the east. Otherwise, as we talked about a little bit ago, any energy that forms that could result in a low pressure system at the surface either has to go above or it's going to try and slip in underneath. But in this kind of pattern, not really seeing much in a way of below average temperatures or snow or rain developing the second half of next week. We'll start off with Pontiac, Illinois, mostly sunny, high around 57 degrees, low in the 30s. Uh, New York, cloudy, high around 51 degrees, low of 42. And flipping, flipping Arkansas, sunny, high around 62. Your next piece of equipment is on MachineryPete.com. Search equipment from dealerships across the country to find what you're looking for. Only on MachineryPete.com. A couple of important research projects to update you on regarding cattle. We start in Texas and a Texas A&M research-led project involving 
combating embryonic loss in beef cattle. Now the researchers looking into the use of omega-6 fatty acids, which have long been touted as essential for human health. They are typically derived from vegetable oils, seeds, and nuts. The team of researchers has determined these same fatty acids could be a management tool in cattle pregnancies, particularly, they say, in the first 28 days of gestation. The lead scientist on the study says their group provided evidence that supplementing beef cows with a lipid source rich in omega-6 fatty acids during that early embryonic period increased pregnancy success. Now the team is looking into the optimal nutritional additives to provide beef cattle during the breeding season. And they say they need answers into how much is too much when it comes to omega-6 fatty acids. On to the Ohio State University now, and important news regarding an exotic tick that can kill cattle. Now they're looking into Asian longhorned ticks. They report the tick arrived in the state back in 2021 and in such large numbers that their feeding frenzy on one farm in southeastern Ohio left three cattle dead. Researchers believe the cattle died from severe blood loss. They are reporting the state's first known established population of those ticks and for now are focused on monitoring and managing them. They say they tend to favor large livestock and wildlife. Researchers also believe the tiny brown ticks, which are the size of a sesame seed and can grow to pea size, are persistent even with pesticides applied at that farm where cattle died in 2021. The pests did return the following summer. A lead researcher believes they will eventually spread to every part of Ohio and will be a long-term management problem. Now she says there is no getting rid of them entirely. The scientists say so far the ticks are not believed to be a threat to human health. And take a look at this. Purdue is coming out with a chicken feed for people. It's a snack it calls Chicks Mix. The company says a limited edition snack food is inspired by the high quality all vegetarian diet the company feeds its chickens. You can soon try it for yourself. The snack will be available to order for free on Purdue Chicks Mix com starting on Friday, November 17th. Animal activists thought they could outsmart a group of farmers in Scotland, but it was the farmers who managed to win the battle to save a lonely sheep. See what it took and how she's doing now in the country. The so-called world's loneliest sheep is lonely no more after being rescued from a cliff in Scotland. The sheep, dubbed Fiona, lived at the base of a cliff on the Scottish coast and in a cave for at least two years. Now, it's presumed Fiona fell down the hill when she was young, but no one had the will or a way to rescue her until now. A group of five farmers teamed up to rescue her. They climbed down, put her in a canvas feed bag, and winched her back up with a little hole for her nose. Fiona has arrived. She's doing absolutely Phenomenal. She was so relaxed throughout the whole thing. As we were bringing her up, she was actually nibbling at the grass. It was surreal. I've never seen anything like it. Now, Fiona was looking pretty scraggly, but even after the farmer sheared off 20 pounds, she was still overweight. Now, we're learning there was a race to rescue her. Animal activists had been visiting Fiona in recent days. They said they were doing it to get her used to people before planning to bring her back up. But the farmers beat them to it taking her to a nearby farm park where the public can visit her. We're going to give Fiona a five-star home. Those animal activists, however, started a petition to send Fiona to a sanctuary 
and protested outside of the farm. Saying free Fiona, which is completely ridiculous. The farm manager adding the need for Fiona to be in a safe and settled environment. And he says he's frustrated with activists who have been trying to prevent her transition to a well-suited home. But one thing Fiona isn't anymore is lonely. And there you have it. That's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in from all of us here at Ag Dam. Couldn't Have a great day.